everybody and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Twitter as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. As always, I am Bryson Carver and ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is officially Super Bowl week. We are just six days away, six days and about a half hour away from kickoff in Las Vegas between the Niners and the Chiefs. I am hyped about this. I'm not even a fan of either team. I'm a Steelers fan for crying out loud. But this is a fantastic matchup. We're, we're, we're going to get a lot into sort of the, the nuts and bolts of, of the matchup throughout the week, especially on Wednesday and on Friday, certainly on Friday when I make my official prediction for the game. But I'm going to start talking by talking about Patrick Mahomes in terms of his all-time status, his all-time ranking. You, many of you know that ever since he won the Super Bowl a year ago against the Eagles, I've had him as the fourth greatest quarterback of all time. He will pass number three. I'll tell you exactly who number three is. You could probably see. Uh, on the title of the show who that is I'll detail why that is the case in just a second also getting into LeBron James and some uh, weird is there some mixed messaging going on with the the Knicks towel and the Lakers getting a big time win over New York on Saturday night red hot New York team uh, mind you getting into that and sort of where I'm at with the Lakers in terms of where they're at and why I still believe they're a championship contender even despite the fact that they are Kind of mediocre. Their record would say just as much, especially where they're at in the seating. I'll discuss that. Also, I'll tell you what, the more Micah Parsons talks, the more I can't stand it. It's 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 like, listen, y'all might be mad. Uh, tell me, I'm talking Cowboys, Cowboys. Well, Micah Parsons is supplying me with a lot of content right now, which to a certain degree, I'm thankful for him for doing. But, doing, but in another regard, I'm like, dude, stop talking. Okay, I'm going to discuss that in about uh, 45 to 50 minutes in between that, sandwiched in between that and the LeBron segment. Cliff Kingsbury hired by the Washington Commanders. I absolutely love this for Washington. It follows a formula that wins in today's NFL. I'll discuss that. And at the end of today's show, uh, very excited to get into, what, what do we got at the end of today's show? I just blanked for a second. At the end of the show, yeah, Steph Curry. Yeah, how could I forget that? Steph Curry dropped 60. And then my Warriors lost on Saturday night. But I'm hopeful. If a few things happen, the Warriors, the 60-point performance by Steph shows the Warriors can indeed compete for the Western Conference title. I'll detail that in just a second. But very excited to, uh, to get into the show today. But first, so much has been made over, especially the last year, since the Chiefs won their second title in four seasons. They're now looking for the third title in five seasons, competing in Super Bowl 58 against the San Francisco 49ers. Much has been made about Mahomes' all-time ranking, the Chiefs' all-time ranking. Are they a dynasty? Are they not? I think I believe they're a dynasty. If they win on Sunday, it will leave. Without a shadow of a doubt, they're absolutely a dynasty. Three times, three Super Bowls in five years. Only a select few teams have, have accomplished that. It's unbelievable. But I have said since that title against Philadelphia that I believe Mahomes with that win because he had two MVPs, two regular season MVPs, two Super Bowl wins, two Super Bowl MVPs, and his, his, the start to his career is only paralleled by Tom Brady. And Tom Brady even individually didn't accomplish what Mahomes did. And that's not to say Mahomes is greater than Brady. I still think he and virtually every, not virtually, every single quarterback ever has miles to go to catch Tom. Okay. That said, uh, he's on pace to potentially, potentially for you Brady stands, and I am one, get on me to catch Tom. Who he will catch, and it's not arguable, is Peyton Manning if he wins this game on Sunday against the 49ers. It's not arguable. He beats him in virtually everything except for MVPs. Let's look at the regular season. Because Peyton Manning is, I I've argued if Peyton Manning mirrored his regular season performance in the postseason, 
might have an argument against Brady as the greatest quarterback of all time because he got more MVPs than Brady. There was a point in time when Peyton retired. He only had two fewer titles than Brady. And by the way, LeBron only has two fewer titles than Michael and many, myself included, considering the GOAT. So Peyton, at one point or another, had a case had he had the postseason success. So let's look at Peyton's regular season numbers or averages compared to Mahomes. Okay, let's look at him right here. Mahomes beats him in literally everything. For the podcast audience, those that can't see the graphic, I'll read it off here, okay? In his regular season career, Mahomes throws for about 296 yards per game. Manning threw for 270. Mahomes throws for about 2.28 touchdown passes per game. Manning threw for 2.03. And Manning, at the time he retired, was the all-time leader in touchdown passes for context. Yards per attempt, Mahomes got Manning beat 7.9 to 7.7. Mahomes got Peyton beat in completion percentage, 66.5 to 65.3. So Mahomes, on more yards per attempt, completes more a higher percent of his pa- percentage of his passes than Peyton. Pass rating, pretty big gap there. Mahomes is at 103.5. Peyton is at 96.5. Win percentage, Mahomes wins about 77% of his games. Peyton won about 70% of his games. And again, Peyton's regular season numbers are, again, you look at those. Those are very impressive. And again, when you look at the totality, when Peyton retired, all-time leader in passing yards, all-time leader in touchdown passes. And I believe all-time leader in wins as well, or at least he tied. I think he tied Brett Favre at the time he retired for the most all-time regular season wins. And Mahomes beats him in every single category from an average standpoint and is on pace to pass him in virtually every statistical category in the long run. It's the postseason where the gap is the Grand Canyon. And mind you, this is Peyton Manning we're talking about. This is number one overall player in high school, number one overall player in college, go Vols, number one overall player selected in the 1998 draft by the Colts, won four MVPs there, won a championship, went to another, then he went to Denver, everybody thought his career was over, he goes to another two Super Bowls, wins another MVP, by the way, still holds the record for most touchdown passes in a season with 55, orchestrated one of the greatest offenses we've ever seen, came back two years later on kind of a, in a game manager role because he his, his physical skills, skills have deteriorated. Peyton's resume is phenomenal. The only ones that I think eclipse it are Brady and Montana, which is why up until a potential Chiefs win on Sunday, I got Peyton third all time. But the postseason numbers between Mahomes and Manning, again, the gap is literally the Grand Canyon. Mahomes, we'll show you just a second. Mahomes does not just beat Peyton. He runs laps around Manning. We'll show it right here, okay? Mahomes, in the playoffs, throws for about 282 yards per game. Manning threw for about 271. Mahomes, the gap here is massive. Threw for about throws for about 2.29 touchdown passes per game. 2.29. Manning throws for about 1.48. Yards per attempt, Mahomes beats him 7.7 to 7.1. Completion percentage, Mahomes got him about 67.5%. Peyton's at 63%. Passer rating is a colossal gap. Mahomes, a better passer rating in the postseason than in the, in the regular season. 106. Peyton's postseason passer rating, 87. 87 to 106. Win percentage, again, huge gap. Mahomes wins 82% of his playoff games first all time, mind you. Peyton wins like 52% of his games, barely half, and it's reflected in the playoff record. Mahomes has just as many playoff wins as Peyton in 10 less games. Mahomes has 14 playoff wins. Peyton has 14. The difference is Mahomes has three losses. Peyton has 13. And they both have two Super Bowls, but Mahomes has got him beaten Super Bowl MVPs. And of course, with a win, that's like the one area that in regular season MVPs where Mahomes does not have Peyton surpassed. Like at that point, it's not. And by the way, I say all that to say this. 
I'm a massive Peyton guy. Before I really kind of came around on Brady and stopped stopped my hating ways, so to speak, around like 2016 when he made the the 28-3 comeback on Atlanta, I was like, Peyton's a guy, Peyton's a guy. And I still love Peyton. Vol for life, greatest quarterback by far in, in Tennessee Vols history. Top three quarterbacks ever, and again, will remain on Mount Rushmore. But I think, and some might say, well, it's too early to, to, to proclaim Mahomes as this or as that. It is never a new rule for carving up live. It is never too early to proclaim to already establish somebody as an all-timer if their resume and their overall talent says they're an all-timer. I mean, Michael Jordan, maybe some of this is revisionist history. I don't know. But Bulls players and teammates and coaches, Bulls, Bulls teammates and coaches said during the last dance, and I believe them when they say this, that day one, Michael was the best player at practice. Fears in the league, Michael dropped 63 in the playoff game to Boston. I get that they lost the game. He dropped 63 as, as, a, as a virtual kid in the NBA. LeBron, about five years into his career, was like, yeah, Kobe's got him beat in terms of the accomplishments. LeBron's the better player. Okay, scores just as well, passes better, rebounds better, defends better, I mean, like, or at least just as well as Kobe. Kobe's a great defender, God rest his soul. But LeBron was just as good, if not better, as a 22, 23-year-old. It was okay, and then won MVPs at that point. Had already surpassed Kobe and MVPs around that time. It was okay to proclaim LeBron as this, not as the greatest ever, not quite yet, but at, at a certain degree already because we could see it. Man was deemed the chosen one as a teenager. I mean, Mahomes' rookie year, the, the left-handed passes, the no-look passes, the 50, year one, 50 touchdown passes. Yes, Andy Reid. Yes, Travis Kelsey. Yes, now this year, the defense. But Andy Reid wasn't winning Super Bowls before Mahomes got there. Travis Kelsey was a very good tight end. He ascended into an all-time great, in my view, the greatest tight end ever with the ascension of Mahomes. And by the way, you look at this receiving core, and that's something else Peyton had too. Say what you want, Peyton didn't have very good defenses in his career. That was kind of the defense of Peyton is like, well, he didn't have as good of defenses as Brady did. True, but he also didn't. He also had way better receiving cores than Tom did back in the day. And way better receiving cores, if you look at this year's Chiefs team, than Mahomes has. I mean, we're talking Valdez, Scantling, Rasheed Rice I like. I think Rasheed Rice is going to be a really nice player in this league. But we're talking Valdez, Scantling, we're talking Justin Watson, at the times he's been healthy. You know, we're talking Sky Moore from time to time. Kadarius Tony hasn't played a single playoff game. All due respect to the guy, probably a good thing for the Kansas City Chiefs. Like, what he's doing, it's not just that he'll pass Peyton in Super Bowls with a win on Sunday. And he's already got him in Super Bowl MVPs. And again, virtually every other average statistic out there and overall statistic out there already passed Peyton in playoff wins if he wins on Sunday with nine fewer playoff starts than Peyton Manning. He's not the GOAT yet. He's got, again, I want to emphasize this. He's got a ways to go to become the greatest quarterback of all time. Because Brady sets so high of a bar, it's almost silly. In terms of Super Bowls, longevity, one with two different franchises, like all the, the records, all of the above. It is not too, too early to proclaim he is better than one of the three greatest quarterbacks of all time. And in terms of ability, he's absolutely better than Montana. But greater, Montana was 4-0 four, four and oh in the Super Bowl, multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Like, again, I, I think if he gets that fourth title next year and years uh, in the future, he'll absolutely pass Montana to become number two. But in virtually every, it, it's not, it won't even be arguable at this point. 
it's barely arguable now. I still got Peyton by a by an inch over Patrick. But at that point, it it, it will become a virtual non-starter from a debate standpoint, where the debate will start to become okay, is it Mahomes or is it Montana? And that'll be a legitimate argument. Mahomes Brady, still not there yet. Mahomes Peyton, Super Bowl on Sunday. He surpasses him, and there's no questions asked. He uh, undeniably better than Peyton, because that's one thing, too, with Peyton. Then we'll move on. As great as Peyton Manning was, one that always kind of the knock on Peyton, just didn't show up in the playoffs. Wasn't that guy come January? Had some clunkers in the Super Bowl. That Super Bowl against Seattle, I get that was the Legion of Boom. I understand that. Uh, but that also was one of the greatest offenses ever in Denver, and they scored eight points. You know, Yes, Mahomes had the clunker against Tampa Bay. But he's also had some phenomenal Super Bowl moments. The comeback on on San Francisco in Super Bowl 54 when he delivered one of the greatest throws I've ever seen in my life. The back off his back foot on third and 15, flinging it 50 yards down the field to Tyreek to really start the comeback midway through the fourth quarter, which the Chiefs went on to win 31-20. Then the comeback against Philly on one leg. We have iconic moments with Patrick. We really don't have that many with Peyton. And I love Peyton. I I want to, before you Peyton stands, and I am one, get on me. I love Peyton. What Patrick is doing does not minimize what Peyton Manning accomplished. The sheriff, he he did it all. He can do what this guy's doing. That's not even arguable. Win on Sunday? Yeah, Mahomes passes Peyton. No questions asked. Okay, John Rivera. My man, Fan Perspective Podcast. Shout out John John. And Henny Dre as well. Uh, John John's willing to go a step further. He says if he wins this one, he is number two. Okay, you know what? And, and but you know what I said though, he's be- he's absolutely better than Montana in terms of pure ability. Mahomes, I've always I've always said he's the best quarterback ever. Not not the greatest, greatest, best, two different things. He's the best ever. Uh, so in that regard, of course, he pa- surpasses Montana in that regard. In terms of greatness, like I said, you can make the case. Because he will have, how many MVPs Montana win? One, two, something like that. Some homes minimum will have, I, I don't know, I, I didn't check Montana's numbers because I was more focused on the Peyton argument. But, you know, ma- matter of fact, let me check that. I'm actually kind of curious now. Thanks for bringing this up, John, John. Because um, I'm actually curious. How many MVPs did, because obviously, uh, obviously Mahomes has two. How many does, how many does Joe have? Okay, I'm, I'm trying to find this. Should, let's check his Wikipedia. That's always a good source, right? Despite what the teachers tell you in school, it's always a good. Uh, Joe Montana. Okay, he has two. He won back-to-back in 89 and 90. Okay, so he has, like I said, Mahomes. I said he'll have either has as many MVPs as Joe or or more. So he's got an equal MVPs. One has to assume Mahomes is going to get at least one more MVP before he's done. And again, he's not even 30 yet. But there's a credible case. There is. I would still put Joe over over Mahomes because four for four in the Super Bowl. Again, right there, two MVPs. He'd have more Super Bowls at this point than, than Mahomes does. But, I mean, it's it starts to become an interesting argument. Now, Brady, it's going to be a long way to catch Brady. Manning, he's got Manning if he wins on Sunday. And John John may have a point. He may have Montana. May, listen, maybe I'll come in a week from today and be like, you know what, guys? I, you know what? Yeah, he's number two. He's, I don't know. I, I need to see how the game plays out. I need, cause sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with this. People like myself, other content creators, we get beaten up all the time on social media by everybody who's an expert has never made a mistake in their lives. 
about how, oh, you change your opinions all the time. Yeah, with new data. And with a new outlook and a mindset and sitting back and just thinking. Like when LeBron broke, prime example for me personally, is when LeBron broke Kareem's record last year, all-time scoring record. And he broke it, and then I came out on my midweek show used to be on Thursday before I moved it to Wednesday. It was on Thursday. I did the show, talked about LeBron. But even leading up to that, after he broke the record, it was a Tuesday night at Crypto.com Arena. Two days later, I did the show. I'm just thinking, I'm thinking, I'm stroking my beard, and I'm thinking, I'm like, hmm. It just, like, I'm, I'm spending some time on this. I'm like, yeah, he's the greatest ever. Yeah, he's, and it's not just that, obviously. I guess that was what I needed. And, you know, all-time scoring leader. It's not exactly a bad thing to have on your resume. But I just kind of sat, I was like, yeah, he's the greatest ever. He's he's the greatest basketball player ever lived, and we we can we I, I know this could open up a, a whole can of worms on 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 LeBron and and Michael, and that's that's like the sports debate. I get that, um, but that was sort of my epiphany. Maybe I'll have that epiphany at least for Mahomes in the two spot if they win on Sunday. John John, imagine imagine if Pat hits his villain mode. He might, he might, and and I I considered. Thanks for saying that, John, John, because I've considered this week, not today's show, but as the week progresses and like media nights tonight in Vegas with all the players for both teams, I've thought about doing a segment, whether it's Wednesday, whether it's Friday, about how ridiculous this whole Chiefs is the Chiefs are the villain of the NFL thing. Like the Patriots, I got why they were the villain. Heck, my Warriors. Love my Warriors to the moon and back. I got why we were the villain once we got Kevin Durant. Kansas City, it's like, well, it's, if they're a villain, they're like the, who's a likable villain? Okay, like, I don't know. Heath Ledger's Joker. Okay, the guy's a psychopath, but you're like, I almost, maybe this is just me, but I'm, I'm like, in a weird way, I'm like, I'm almost rooting for him. Maybe they're that, uh, and even, I don't think they're as, as diabolical as, as, as the Joker is. I don't know. Just think of like a, whatever your your version of a likable villain is, and there's plenty of those out there. One's not coming to my mind right off the bat, but I don't know. I, I just I got why. The, there's a lot of reasons I can get into later this week, like why the Patriots were disliked, why my Warriors were disliked, but like the Bulls. The Bulls of the '90s were not disliked at all. They were celebrated. Frankly, that's how I think every dynasty should be treated, not with preferential treatment. Not that you can't criticize them, but we should enjoy greatness while we have it. Maybe it's because of the toxic social media culture, all these debates. Again, LeBron Jordan, which I mentioned, people can't give somebody flowers without taking a shot at them. It seems like that these days, which is a real shame. Like I was saying about LeBron today, like it, it's when LeBron's done, there's gonna be a lot of people. They won't say it publicly, but they'll be like, man, I didn't give him his flowers while he's still playing. And now the league's the league's just not the same, you know? That's with a lot of players, too. Uh, let's see. John, John, well, they are rooting against the Chiefs for the first time in the, do you mean in these playoffs? Do you, the, they, are you talking about like the general public, like the country, like, you know, because it seemed like the Chiefs have been like, everybody's pulling for Baltimore. Everybody's pulling for Buffalo. First round, I don't think anybody, like that, that was my all time. That's why this segment every week, and I, I won't have many more opportunities to play it, so I'll play it today. That's why my weekly Friday segment called. Who I bet that? If I were a bet man, was my favorite bet, if I were a bet man, of the year is Chiefs minus four and a half. And the line kept going up and people were like, oh, take the Dolphins, take the Dolphins. I'm like, are you out of your mind? It's, it's the fourth coldest game ever. Tua is terrible in, in, in weather conditions lower than 70. 
Mahomes is a great cold weather quarterback. This is easy. The Chiefs had a week off because they sat most of their guys against the Chargers a week before. So I don't know. Uh, yeah, but it's everybody's pulling for Buffalo. Everybody's pulling for Baltimore. Seems like everybody now is pulling for for the 49ers. Although I did see some sort of made up graphic by NFL, NFL memes. We you know they show those maps who America's rooting for. They show like a state by state. And it's like California, San Francisco 49ers. And then he got Kansas and Missouri Chiefs. And then the rest of America is like gray. It's like, no, but I don't want any of these teams to win. Which, I, I, I'll move on to the next topic after this. I just don't get the, the negativity towards the Super Bowl. It's David Goliath in terms of quarterbacks. It's David Goliath in terms of one team hasn't won in three days. The Niners have won less recently than the Cowboys. I'm going to talk about Micah Parsons later in the show. I mean, that's hard. I know they've been to two since in, in 2012 and in 2019. They've been to two since, unlike Dallas and, and a bunch of NFC title games. But Dallas has won a Super Bowl more, re more recently than San Francisco, if you can believe that. Meanwhile, Kansas City looking for th their third. Like, there's so many. Like I said, oftentimes when you get the best the best quarterback in the league against the best overall roster or team, however you want to how you however you want to describe that in the league, those end up being the best Super Bowls. Uh, so it should be fun. Okay. Now let's shift to the NBA. Let's shift to LeBron James, shift to the Los Angeles Lakers, who were in a rough spot and they still aren't in the most ideal of positions. But the Lakers going into Thursday were sitting there at 24 and 25. LeBron was putting the hourglass tweet, and we were all like, what does that mean? We're a week out of the deadline. Now the deadline is is less than 72 hours away. And the two games since, East Coast road trip, Lakers knock off the Celtics, a fully healthy Celtics team with no LeBron and no AD. And then on Saturday, come to New York, come to the Mecca, Madison Square Garden, albeit the Knicks didn't have Julius Randle, who was an all-star this year. But the Lakers went in, played well, dominated the fourth quarter defensively, and beat the Knicks 113-105. to 105. But a storyline coming out of this is LeBron James, tends to be the case. He is the king after all. Uh, LeBron, who uh, dropped 24-5-5, uh, five five, efficient shooting, 10-19 for 19 from the field uh, in 40 minutes. LeBron, we'll show you the picture here, wore a towel after the game. <clears throat> excuse me, wore a towel after the game. And you can see, if you look at this, sorry for those listening on, on audio, Spotify, Apple, etc. Uh, you can see it's a New York Knicks towel. And it's, you see New York Knicks right there. You could sort of on LeBron's shoulders, you could sort of see the Knicks logo. And there's been a little bit of discussion like, oh, is LeBron trying to send a message? And there's been rumblings. Let's be real. And I love the guy. Most of them started by Stephen A. Smith. Hey, LeBron may want to come to the Knicks. And Brian Windhorse, one of the most trusted sources out there for ESPN, uh, was talking on the, I think it's the Hoop Collective podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Brian Windhorse had a quote. About the LeBron, we can show the LeBron uh, picture while we're doing this. Uh, Brian Windhorst said, quote, Of course, he was cognizant and aware that he, LeBron, was putting on a towel that said New York Knicks. Why would he mess with the Knicks? Because he was using the Knicks as a tool to pressure the Lakers. So, I don't know if that's totally, and, and, and Wendy's one of the best in the business. And he could be speculating, I'm not sure. I don't buy into that as much as others for the simple fact, like I saw one video where Tarian Prince, who plays for the Lakers, and he was wearing a Knicks towel as well. And I mean, is Tarian Prince trying to send a message? And he's a nice player, but he is a role player. Is he trying to send a message to the Lakers? Highly doubt it. So maybe, maybe he was. Maybe LeBron was sending a message. If there's any message really that needs to be sent, it's one of two things. A, if you want me here, fire Darvin Ham. B, if you're not going to fire Darvin Ham, trade me to a, a better team. Right, I'm in year 21, I'm still awesome, and I still want to contend for championships. Maybe that's one of those things. But 
as crazy as it sounds, like the Lakers right now, look at the standings. The Lakers are 26 and 25. They've won their last two games, but they're still 26 and 25. Just a game above 500. Look at the Western Conference standings. Lakers are ninth. They're a full three and a half games out of being the sixth seed and not having to participate in the play-in tournament. So they are, by definition, a game over average, a game over mediocre, just by your record, by, by their record. I got to admit to you, for a team that's 26 and 25 with two great players, LeBron and Anthony Davis, very lofty aspirations and expectations with that team and those two players in, in particular, I don't think they need to make this big trade at the deadline. I really don't. I know there's been DeJounte Murray rumors. I know this is never going to happen, but there's been there's been rumblings for a few years now. Hey, could Kyrie team up with LeBron? I know there's been some stuff about that, like getting like a, a consistent scoring guard, which Kyrie is and like DeJounte Murray is. I get that. I think the team's good as is. Matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say I think it's one of the deepest teams in basketball. Austin Reeves is your third star. Austin Reeves on any given night can give you a 20-25 a game. I mean, you saw him, what he dropped, 27 against the Celtics with no LeBron, with no Anthony Davis. Like the Celtics, the number one guy that can beat them is Austin Reeves. D'Angelo Russell too, but we know he can be streaky. And Austin Reeves went out there and it dropped 27 on Boston. Great defense. They've got Van, now Vanderbilt's hurt right now. We'll see if he can get back. But Vanderbilt, when he's on the floor, trust me, as a Warriors fan, Vando guards Steph a lot. And while Steph, because he's an all-time great, talk about Steph later in the show, while Steph gets his, it ain't easy. Like, Steph, Steph's got to work for these points against Vanderbilt, unlike he has to do it sometimes against other defenders. You got Tarian Prince. You got Christian Wood. Like, I don't think the depth is the issue at the Lakers. I think the coach is the issue more than anything in Darvin Ham, because in many ways, my guy Barry Grant Jr., big Lakers fan, shout out Barry, often points out how Darvin Ham came from the Bucks under Mike Budenholzer, and it's like, eh, is there a tie there? You know, Budenholzer, the big knock on him for myself. I was a big-time bug critic back when he was in Milwaukee. Is he, he, his, his adjustments were lacking, to say the very least, and that's kind of what you can say about Darvin Ham. Pre-game adjustments, in-game adjustments, halftime, like whatever the case may be. And so that, that to me, is the biggest issue with, with the Lakers is Darvin Ham. But even with him last year, they got to the Western Conference Finals. Could they use a piece here, piece there? Maybe I listen. If there's anything the Lakers need, and I say this because it's whatever any team needs that has LeBron James. I've said this for years on carving up live, screaming it to the mountaintops. Say it three times with me. Shooters, shooters, shooters. That's what they need. And I get D'Angelo, <clears throat> excuse me. I get D'Angelo Russell can knock down the three, but he can be inconsistent. He had a horrible, <clears throat> sorry, a horrible, <clears throat> sorry, I thought my voice here. Anyways, D'Angelo Russell had a bad Western Conference Finals. Uh, Austin Reeves can knock down the three. Christian Wood occasionally, like Tarian Prince, you have guys who can knock it down, but I'm talking three-point specials. A guy like Gary Trent Jr. in Toronto, I think, would be a perfect fit with the Lakers. I, I, I think that would be, because that's why I've said for years, it's why I posed it on Friday, and I'm still, there's a little piece of me that's just kind of secretly hoping, maybe, just maybe, something happens, Clay's involved, my guy, and I love Clay, uh, but my new guy, Jonathan Kaminga, could be involved. I hate to give JK up, but maybe something like that happens. Bill Simmons thought about this on his podcast recently. And uh, the Lakers go after, I'm sorry, the Warriors go after that guy, LeBron. Like, it, the reason, big reason I fantasize about that is, hey, it's LeBron James. LeBron James. 
But also, I've said, I don't think two stars, two superstars would fit together in this league better than Steph Curry and LeBron James. Steph, greatest shooter ever. LeBron loves shooters. Steph just gets to run off the ball, run off screens. LeBron gets to set him up with open looks. If they double Steph, LeBron's going to get looks at the rim or fade away mid-range. Like, it's, it's, it'd be darn near unstoppable, especially if they were in their prime. Steph is still in his, in his prime. LeBron is out of his prime, but you can't tell. So, that's to me, that's what the Lakers need to address more than anything is shooting. In terms of, I mean, they're a great defensive team. Anthony Davis, for as much as I've criticized him about the whole coin flip Davis thing, and I won't play the, the little mini video there, the, like the gif when I say that. A, he really hasn't been this year from an offensive standpoint. B, he wasn't very good offensively on Saturday night. He took that game over defensively. I mean, I, is, is it safe to say that Anthony Davis, knock on wood, he stays healthy and, and plays the 65 games? Is it safe to, safe to say Anthony Davis is kind of a shoe in to get defensive player of the year? Like, I don't even think that's a... A, a question. He's, he's been unbelievable all season long in that, and his whole career, but especially this season, he's been fantastic. So, but to a larger degree, or maybe a larger conversation is the better way to frame that. I've talked for years, regardless of sport, that oftentimes teams take on the identity of their superstar. You know, if you think about the Patriots, Gronk is the exception. But a lot of times it was guys who were, you know, very buttoned up, serious, you know, on to the next game, Bill Belichick, on to Cincinnati. They kind of took on the identity of their quarterback, Tom Brady. In a, in a similar regard, just in a different sense, the Chiefs kind of kind of taken on the identity of Mahomes. Fun, flashy, here, there, so, something big's going to happen. They've taken on the identity of Mahomes. A similar situation in the prime of the Golden State dynasty. They took on the identity of Steph. You know, free-flowing, ball-moving, you know, just flashy. Like, that's kind of Boston. Back in the, the you know, that was kind of the Showtime Lakers were in the 80s. The, the Celtics were kind of the exact opposite. Certainly the Bad Boy Pistons were the exact opposite, right? Like, middle of the country, tough. We'll probably cross the line in terms of, in terms of like the Jordan rules and all that. But teams tend to, and that's how Isaiah Thomas was, teams tend to take on the identity of their star. I think that's where the Lakers are at with LeBron. And here's what I mean by that. Where you see the talent, you see what they're capable of any given night, and then a couple times they'll lay a clunker. I think LeBron, because he is one of the smartest and not the smartest basketball player ever, recognizes I am in year 21. I'm having a fantastic season for crying out loud. I'm going to be an all-star starter at age 39. He sees the landscape of the league, sees the landscape of the team, and says, okay, I think we have enough. I think LeBron internally has questions about Darvin Ham, but he's sitting back and saying, okay, I think we can make a run. We're going to pace ourselves. It's kind of what the Lakers did last year. Now, part of the issue with the Lakers last year, they weren't that good. Like, the, the roster was not that good. Anthony Davis got hurt. LeBron dealt with injuries. Even as he was trying to go after Kareem's scoring record, they were able to move Westbrook and Patrick Beverly and, and all these guys to get Rui Hachimura, to get D'Angelo Russell, to get Vanderbilt, to get all these guys who, who ended up helping them get to the conference finals. And, but it's sort of a coast. And we've, we've seen this in the past. Even LeBron was at his peak in Cleveland. They kind of coast in the regular season, not take November, December, January, all that serious. And then, like, right at the start of the all after the All Star break, like early March, 
You sort of start to see things starting to click together. It starts to work. All of a sudden, here's Austin Reeves. He's getting going. Anthony Davis. There's like some fringe arguments. Hey, is Anthony Davis MVP? And I could see that being the case. I could see a scenario when the Lakers are hanging around right where they are, around that 9 seed, 8 seed, if they're able to move up, move up a little bit. 8, 9, 10 seed. Just kind of hang around. And what did Jerry Jones say? Hang around the rim. Hang around the rim. Talked about that last week. Hang around the rim, so to speak. All-star breaks or all-star break ends that Thursday night or Friday night, whenever they play their first game, and then they take off. Not saying they're gonna like go crazy and get like the three seed or something, but avoid the playing tournament, and which will be huge for them. Give LeBron, give Anthony Davis, gives these guys a little breather, some time off, and then get going in the playoffs. I could see that being the scenario because LeBron can't go. He he's not, this is why I say he's not prime LeBron. LeBron can't go a thousand miles an hour from start to finish the way he used to. I think the last absolute peak of his powers, literally unstoppable LeBron was 2018, when he put together that crazy run to take that crappy Cleveland team to the finals. That doesn't mean he hasn't still been great. I mean, that's just like, that's the last best of the best of the best LeBron James that we've seen. He can't do that anymore. He's 39 years old, year 21. He's got to coast a little bit. But once the game starts to take on more and more meaning and significance, you see a different LeBron, and therefore, I think you'll see a different Lakers team. Just a thought. I, I think that's more than possible. Got a comment here by John John. How do you feel about your Warriors keeping the core together? Well, I'm going to talk about the Warriors a little late in the show in about a half hour. Um, look, and I'll, I'll address this further, but since you asked, John John, I think the... The idea of keeping Clay. And I and and I, I might be, have been perceived. I might be perceived going back to the summer as a Clay doubter, hater, skeptic, whatever the case may be. I'm as big of a Clay Thompson fan as there is. I, I mean, I was the one who religious, like like me and Stephen A. were like on the same wavelength. Where for years, like when Clay Thompson comes back, the Warriors are gonna win the championship. When he comes back there, and sure enough, we won the championship in 2022. And Clay was a big factor in that. But. Uh, He's not the same in terms of shooting percentage he takes. I watch every single dribble of every single Warriors game. Guy just takes some bad shots. And he misses wide open ones. He's good for the occasional 25-point game. You know, if you get lucky, 30-point game from time to time. But he's not. And again, he's expensive, older, declining physically, forcing shots on an expiring contract. He's going to be a free agent this summer. Why, why are you... What is the incentive in keeping Clay other other than Steph's loyalty? Because that report came out, and I think some of this you might be referring to, John. John, I don't want to assume, but I'm I'm sure this plays into it. Is the report that Steph or that the Warriors will not make any moves, especially re- regarding their core, unless Steph okay's it? Which to me is like, okay, so now you're just now the, you're just shifting the blame to Steph. If that if that report is true, okay, that just makes Steph out to be the bad guy. Because some, some I don't think that many, but some Warriors fans look like, well, Steph, do you really want to win? I, well, yeah, but if the if the powers in Steph's fans, he's Steph's hands, he's gonna stick with Clay. He's gonna stick with Draymond. He should stick with Draymond. Okay, you saw the Warriors. You've seen the Warriors throughout their history. They're not. They're flatly not the same team without Draymond Green. And so, offensively, defensively, the whole bit. So, absolutely, keep Draymond. I uh, still very much not the same player he used to be. Numbers, numbers, and film don't lie. He's still an impact player. Clay's not. He's not, but I'll talk about the Warriors in, 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 in terms of that later in the show. Patrick Brown in the comments. Happy Monday, everyone. Stay safe and sound. What's up, Patrick? Great to have you here in the comments today. 
Uh, got a lot going on. Again, Super Bowl week. Super Bowl, what do they call it? Super Bowl opening night, I think it is. When the players, like, usually they go to, like, a either stadium or an arena and answer the questions. I'm sure Travis will get plenty of, uh, of Taylor Swift questions. By the way, great night for Taylor Swift last night, the Grammys, right? She... She won, I think, what, what did she win for? I think it was for Album of the Year. Uh, she announced her new album coming out mid-April. I've got some Swifties within my household that are very excited about that, understandably so. I got to admit, though, I, I just, I, you know, I, and I didn't watch a ton of the Grammys. I'm more of an Oscars guy, I always have been. Uh, but I did watch a little bit of the Grammys. And, like, when, when my man Luke Combs was performing Fast Car with Tracy Chapman, that was... Oh, that was so good. I hope they have a recorded version of that. I, I hope they record a version of Fast Car because love it. Great song. But like I watched that performance. I watched a few other ones. And from time to time, man, you know, they'd show Taylor. They'd show Taylor sing along these songs at the Grammys last night. And I was really, tell you what, I, I, I could barely sleep tonight or last night. It's just, oof. it's a wonder I even made it. Made it through. It's just it, it almost ruined the experience for me. I'm not gonna lie to you. It almost ruined the experience for me. It really did. Tyler Hilton, yo, yo, try, Tyler, what's up? Everybody, feel free to chime in the comment section. Want to know what your thoughts are on what I'm saying, or just even about anything else uh, in the world of sports and beyond that. But uh, well, like I said, I, I've always been more of an Oscar guy than a Grammys guy. But listen, I, I catch the Grammys from time to time. You know, get, get catch a little bit, of it, a little bit of it. But uh, I do want to move on though to the Washington Commanders because I think that they are, and Washington fans have suffered for quite some time in large part due to the now former owner. Thank God for them. Thank God for the league, Dan Snyder. But now Josh Harris owns the Commanders. Magic Johnson is, of course, involved, and Magic is one of those guys where everything he touches turns to gold. And Washington seems to be kind of on the uptick where, yes, they only won four games last year. Yes, they have the second pick of the draft, but that's, in terms of draft position, that's probably a good thing. But they want to Ben Johnson, and that's kind of the, the way to win in today's NFL, pri primarily, is offensive head coaches. I don't think we've had a defensive head coach in the Super Bowl since Belichick in 2018. Like, it just, it just doesn't happen anymore. However, you can, because they want to Ben Johnson, Ben Johnson turned them and the Seahawks down, returning to Detroit. So that was a big blow to Washington. But what did they do? What did they do? It's okay. Sucks. Would have loved to get this guy. We're going to pivot. We're going to adjust on the fly. There's a defensive coordinator in Dallas, Dan Quinn, who aside from Micah Parsons and Trayvon Diggs, there's not anywhere near an elite player on that defense and turn him into one of the more respectable units. Top 10, I think every year Dan Quinn was there, they were top 10 defense. Okay, we can hire that guy. He has a history, good history as a head coach. He's been to a Super Bowl. Has a couple of playoff appearances under his belt. We'll bring him in. And then what did they do? Almost identical to what the Houston Texans did with D'Amico Ryans. What I've been imploring, and I think I think my Steelers did it right, finally, is you have a defensive coach, now hire a creative offensive guy to run the offense. That's what Washington did. They got Cliff Kingsbury. Now, some are like, eh, Cliff Kingsbury? You know, I, I, I've been a Kingsbury critic for years now. And this is a guy who had a losing record in college, went to the Arizona Cardinals, Got fired after his fourth season. Offense deteriorated quickly. Like, I get that. But two things to keep in mind with Cliff Kingsbury, who's now the new offensive coordinator for the Commanders after a contractual dispute with the Raiders 
is the reason that fell through. He was going to be their OC. It fell through some contract stuff. Washington gave him things in his deal that the, that the Raiders wouldn't. So he's with the Raiders now. I'm sorry, he's with the Commanders now. Okay. Here's why it makes sense. Cliff Kingsbury is a guy who led the Cardinals, if I have this number right, if I have this number right, I thought I, I, thought I had this stat earlier. Uh, hang on. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury's uh, offense in, in Arizona. Sorry, I literally lost this stat. I don't know how I lost this. I, I sincerely apologize, folks. Okay. Okay, so the Cliff Kingsbury with Arizona. His his second to last season there, which was also happened to be Kyla Murray's uh, last season in Arizona. They were 11th in the NFL, I think, in scoring, and then it deteriorated to like 21st or something. And then Kyla got hurt that year. It was kind of a disaster. They fired Kingsbury. Here's the thing: Washington has not been as high as 16th in scoring offense since 2016 when Kirk Cousins was there. By the way, you know you know who else was there in Washington that year? Sean McVay. <laughs> So that, I think that made a little bit of a difference, uh, Washington. But now you bring in Cliff Kingsbury. He has a history with successful offenses. He has a history slowly developing young, talented quarterbacks, which Washington presumably will have one, uh, whether it be Drake May. There's some Caleb Williams rumors. I don't think it happens. I think Chicago, if Chicago does not take Caleb number one or trades down with Washington and the commanders get the first pick, it would be the single biggest mistake, the single dumbest mistake the Chicago Bears have ever made in their history, and they made plenty of that, plenty of those. But Cliff Kingsbury, you got to remember this. When he took the Cardinals job, in coaching years, guy was a kid. When, when he took the job, not when he coached his first game, when he took the job, he was still in his 30s. He was 39 years old. He's 40. Four going on 45 this season. He's got experience. Like we I made this mistake with Jason Kidd, different sport with the with the Dallas Mavericks. Or with he was at the time with the Nets, where Jason Kidd coached the the Nets. And then he went to Milwaukee. They were got better without him. And I was I was kind of down on Jason Kidd as a coach of the Mavs. Did a pretty good job in Dallas. I mean, first year there got to the Western Conference Finals. I think Luca had a thing or two to, to do about to do with that. But Jason Kidd did a really good job that year and has done a good job since. Sometimes guys are young. Sometimes guys need another opportunity, a second chance. I think that's where we're at with, with Kingsbury. And this is the way to win in today's NFL. If you have a defensive head coach. Because defensive head coaches, what do we know about them? They tend to be conservative, not take that many big of a risks, kind of completely ignore analytics altogether. And how's that worked out? Haven't had a defensive coach in the Super Bowl since 2018, Bill Belichick. But you can win with a defensive head coach which is why I was very excited about the Arthur Smith hiring Pittsburgh. If you hire a creative young offensive guy, that's the way to do it. That's what they did with Cliff Kingsbury. So listen, Washington is an organization that in the span of two short years went from bottom feeders, irrelevant, barely, I wish to say barely watch, but they've always had some level of talent, but just always constantly not be meeting the bar in large part due to the worst mantling owner I've ever seen in my life, Dan Snyder. All of a sudden, he's out. Smart ownership group, Josh Harris, Magic Johnson comes in. Now you bring in Dan Quinn. You rebound after missing out on Ben Johnson. You bring in Kingsbury. Now you're going to draft a quarterback, and they'll be in pretty good shape. You know, the defense for Washington, which I think was dead last in scoring defense this year. So there's there's literally nowhere to go but up. So you have a guy in, in 
Quinn, who can fix the defense, can address it in the draft through free agency, et cetera, and, and maybe through the trade market as well, and a guy in Kingsbury who can help develop the young quarterback. That is what wins in today's NFL when you have a defensive head coach. So credit to Washington. They, they, are, they are seeing where the game is trending, and they're adjusting to it. That's like that's what the smart friend. That's what I. That's what drove me nuts about Tomlin, and more so with Belichick, because at least Tomlin could draft. Belichick couldn't draft. That was his issue. But New England, it was we're gonna stick with the same old thing. B- Bill, the league's changed. Why do you think Belichick didn't get a job this this cycle? You know, that's something to do with it. So, really good move by Washington. Really good move by Washington. I like it a lot. I really do. Let's see what we got right here. Patrick Brown, I guess this means Biennemi could be out as the offensive coordinator unless another team gives him the title. Haven't heard much on the topic, and I'm curious. Well, what I think Patrick is going to happen is Biennemi, part of the reason, listen, most coaches tend to move on from the previous staff. So what I think is going to happen is Kansas City, regardless of what happens to the Super Bowl, Kansas City brings Biennemi back next year. And that could be, listen, it's already a crime as is. The enemy hasn't gotten a head coaching job yet. But that would, to me, be the best case of any. With the Chiefs, listen, I get the receiving core is bad, but it's the same receiving core for the Chiefs that was there last year, just with Juju Smith-Schuster instead of Rasheed Rice. Are you telling me Juju Smith-Schuster is the difference in offense being one of the best in football and one of the, well, not one of the worst, but vastly underachieving given the talent of their quarterback and, and star tight end. Like, Juju's not the difference in that. He's irrelevant in New England disappeared. That would be the best case for being to me. Offense is great in Kansas City. Despite the receiver talent, you leave. It's not close to as good. Even if you win the Super Bowl, it's not as good. off. You're not as good of a team offensively. You kind of had to adjust how you play games, how you win games in the postseason and in the regular season. Then you come back and we'll see what happens and the offense gets back to where it was in 2024. That's what I think the enemy goes back to Kansas City is my guess, Patrick. I think that seems to be the most Likely scenario to happen, um, uh, but that's uh, that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think it works. I think it makes sense, though, for sure. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm going to have to come up with a nickname. I've got seven months of, sorry, eight. Yeah, seven months of offseason to figure it out. I'm going to come up with some nickname for the Dallas Cowboys because going into last season, Around training camp, I came up with the the moniker of this being, or this past season now, being the Yoda season for the Dallas Cowboys. We're like, what, Yoda, what does that mean? A little, little green Jedi, what is that supposed to mean? I'll tell you what it means. Remember Yoda's iconic quote? Yoda's got plenty of them, but remember, do or do not, there is no try from the Empire Strikes Back. Great line. And I looked at that and was like, you know what? That's the Cowboys. It's either... They're gonna they're gonna take off, get close. Who knows? Maybe win the Super Bowl, but get darn close. NFC title game. I picked them to go to the Super Bowl and lose to the Chiefs. Get there, or they'll fall flat in their face. Like this, this was not going to be a season where they had a good regular season, won a playoff game, and then just sort of flamed out in the divisional round like they've done a lot for the last twenty nine years. This is gonna be boom, or it's gonna be bust. The bust was gonna be like missed playoffs get knocked out in round one, and that is exactly what happened. It was going to be boom or bust. It was bust, for unfortunately, for the Cowboys and their fans. I'm going to have to come up with a new nickname for Dallas this year, but it's going to revolve something around reality shows. Maybe I'll call them like the Kardashians. Heck, I don't think the Kardashians are this dysfunctional. Something like that in the NFL. 
Most of it these days, usually it's Jerry. You know, usually it's Jerry. But nowadays, you got Dak not saying a word. CeeDee Lamb not saying a word. Trayvon, I know Trayvon Diggs is hurt. You got Aiden Diggs, Trayvon Sun making more headlines than Trayvon Diggs these days. You've got, I mean, Stephon Gilmore, smart veteran, not going to say anything, play for the Patriots back in the day, not going to say anything. Mike McCarthy's been quiet outside that press conference. Jerry has been, but come on, it's Jerry. It's what we've come to know and expect. Everybody's been quiet. And here's Micah Parsons at the Pro Bowl, which he made deservedly so, no question about it. But now there's no Pro Bowl game. Thank God the game was unwatchable. At least it's flag football now. At least there's points. At least it's somewhat exciting, even though I didn't watch. But you have the Pro Bowl games. And at one point, some of the best players compete in a game of Madden. They've been doing this for years now. I think they've been doing it since at least 2020 when it was the COVID year, pandemic year. A lot of guys just played Madden against each other. And Micah Parsons was, it was NFC versus AFC. Micah Parsons, NFC player, obviously plays for the Cowboys. And he was facing Tyreek Hill, superstar receiver for the Dolphins, and David Njoku, a tight end for the Cleveland Browns, who made the Pro Bowl in the a on the AFC side. And take a listen. It's about a minute long. Take a listen to what Micah Parsons told David Njoku, and I'll have a strong reaction on this, but I'm, I'm going to do something after this that I've never done in my life in the history, in the history of Carving It Up Live. But watch this first. Micah Parsons, his exchange with Brown side end, David Njoku. I thought he did amazing. Uh, he made great adjustments. <laughs> he obviously showed why Cleveland's Cleveland and Rams. Whoa, 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 That's whoa, a crazy whoa, shot. Whoa, whoa. That's a crazy shot. Don't give us that political. <laughs> David, you have an opportunity for a rebuttal I mean, here. I mean, Obviously, first that first all, half didn't go the way you wanted. What? No, it's what? Cool, it's cool. You okay. Know, you gotta understand one thing, you know. And excuse my voice, God. When the bosses come with big bosses, mm -hmm. one thing you know you gotta understand is he said Cleveland's Cleveland, but we're, we're both we're both here. I mean, we're both mm -hmm. like oh, you're trying this Madden game. Mm -hmm. I think that's a shot. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta mean, make it make sense. Any person who's Ran acting Meek Mill lyrics is like, <laughs> I can't take them serious. I mean, I mean, but am you, I lying though? Nah, you, you try to be lyrical, but I'm don't not even get lyrical. Lyrics. I'm saying we're both fitting Lyrically, in the I'm supposed to represent. Like, <laughs> he has a good point, bro. We all here. Yeah. So, what are you saying? Cleveland, Cleveland. Down, well, down. Uh, okay, fair enough. Well, well, let's take it back uh, to this game. Okay, so Micah's quote, the one that made headlines, is he showed why Cleveland is Cleveland. Cleveland's going to be Cleveland. I'm about to do something. It makes me sick to my stomach. I don't think I've ever done it in the history, four and a half year history of my show. I'm going to defend Cleveland. That just makes me, it's make my stomach churn. It just, ugh, hate it. But I'm going to defend Cleveland for a second. Micah Parsons does realize that the Cowboys have just as many conference title game appearances as the Browns since 1996, right? Does he know that? I don't know if Micah is a student of the game the way other players are. Does he know that? Hats off to David Njoku for sitting there and saying, I mean, you could say Cleveland's going to be Cleveland. And by the way, David Njoku didn't hide from that. He's like, yeah, we, you know what? We had a nice season and flamed out in the playoffs and got blown out by Houston. Okay, you know, it, it, we didn't go very far as far as we wanted to. But nice job for Njoku for acknowledging that and then turning around saying, what'd you do, bro? You'd do nothing. Yeah, you had, yeah, you know, you know what Micah Parsons did? 
you know, and Micah Parsons had, an, had some quotes the other day. I, maybe I'll detail this further. I've talked way too much about Micah. Every show, including mine, has. But Micah had the quote the other day where he's like, we need to get the, the right players in or we need to get some some players that will help get us over the top. Uh, acting like he was not the issue at all in the Packers, in the Cowboys' playoff loss to Green Bay. You know what Micah Parsons did against the Packers? He had one more tackle than I did, and I was sitting on my couch watching the game. So David and Joku stood up there saying, you know what? Yeah, you're right. We didn't do what we hoped to do. Yeah, Cleveland tends to be pretty darn unsuccessful in the playoffs. But you're sitting there acting like you're, you're, you did something special. You had one tackle in a 24, uh, sorry, a 16-point playoff loss in a game that you were down by a million points at home against a, a team full of kids in Green Bay. Man, miss me with that. You're act, acting up here like you've done something. The, 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 Utter lack of self-awareness is unreal. At least Jerry from time to time would be like, you know, I don't believe the way we're, where we need to be, but I tell you what, I think we this team could get to the Super Bowl, but uh, at least we're hanging around the ring. Jerry, at least, at least compared to Micah, has somewhat realistic expectations. Well, <laughs> I mean, like, like Jim Joku said, like, we're here sitting on the couch at the Pro Bowl playing a video game. And by the way, Cleveland, listen, both Dallas and Cleveland got blown out, ironically, in Texas. Uh, Cleveland on a Saturday, Dallas on a Sunday. Both Cleveland and Dallas got blown out in the wild card round, okay? Their seasons ended identically. But the Browns, and it's, it drives me crazy to defend Cleveland. Hate it. Oh my gosh, I cannot stand defending the Browns. However, you got to be objective. Cleveland from an injury standpoint, to their key players, had the season from hell. What did Clark Griswold say in Christmas Vacation? Uh, look around yourself, uh, Ellen. We're at the threshold of hell when the house is just uh, uh, blown to bits and, the, and the, the dogs have eaten everything and the, it's on, the tree blows up and a cat dies, like all this stuff that happens. That's where the Browns were. Deshaun got hurt. Dorian Thompson Robinson got hurt. Uh, PJ Walker wasn't very good. Nick Chubb, second game of the year against my Steelers, Monday Night Football, blows out his knee and is gone for the year. Nick Chubb is the very reason. He's like the Browns' Christian McCaffrey. He's the reason that offense runs and is successful. So they signed Joe Flacco off his couch. Old man Joe comes in and is playing the turnovers aside like one of the best quarterbacks in the league, and the Browns make the playoffs and were road favorites over a team quarterback by C.J. Stroud. Yeah, they got blown out. Yes, I was overjoyed to see that. But by and large, this was not a disaster season for Cleveland. It could have been. But to the credit of the coaches, of the players, they didn't allow it to be. Now you have Dallas, who has lofty expectations, as is always the case, but especially this year. Hey, NFC's never been weaker. Hey, not only do we win the division, we get the two seed. Can't do much better than that other than San Francisco getting the, the old one seed. And we draw, we don't draw the Rams who won a Super Bowl within the last half decade. We don't draw the, who was the five, Philadelphia, they would have beaten Philadelphia, but Philadelphia did get to the Super Bowl last year for what it's worth. Here's who we draw. A team with a quarterback in his first year starting, the youngest playoff team in a half century. And we get the doors blown off them. And Micah Parsons has the audacity, I'm defending Cleveland, ladies and gentlemen, to sit up there and act like, yeah, I mean, you're here, we're Dallas, like we're, and yeah, you're a little old Cleveland. Bro, you've been just as successful as Cleveland. 
Cute, you have a few more playoff wins, only one of which you were a part of in 2022. Didn't really do much in that game. That was all Dak against Tampa Bay, neither here nor there. What is, listen, we would all agree Micah Parsons is a better player, objectively better player at his position than Njoku as it is. But even, even still, Njoku is a very good tight end, very good tight end. Micah Parsons, any given day, can be the best player on the field. He's that talented. Uh, but it, name, okay. Of course, Saban Joku doesn't have an iconic moment in his career because he's not an iconic player. Neither is Micah, but people compared to Lawrence Taylor, not sure why. Name the iconic moment in Micah Parsons' career. Name it. It'd be different if Dallas made the Super Bowl last year or if Dallas got finally actually got to an NFC title game and lost a close one to the Niners again. You were the first team in the history, and I get the seven seed has only existed for four years, so a little bit of context there. You're the first team in the history of the National Football League postseason to lose to a seven seed. And you do so at home. At one point, you're down by 30, and you have one tackle. But you have the audacity days before that in your podcast to say, and why, why Micah Parsons is doing podcasts like he's Draymond Green. Draymond Green's one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Say what you want, Draymond Green's going to the Hall of Fame. Uh, Micah Parsons uh, remains to be seen. Uh, Micah Parsons say, hey, we need the players. And don't blame me. Blame the scheme. I just I just do what the coaches tell me to do. Man's acting like out there like he didn't play like a bum against Green Bay. Come on, man. Out here going after David Joker. What did David Joker do? Heck, what did Cleveland do? I don't know. I Defending Cleveland makes me sick to my stomach. <laughs> but for, listen, and I would, guys, I'd say the same thing if Dak Prescott said this. For the record, y'all know how I feel about Dak. Love Dak more than just about everybody. But you know why Dak wouldn't say this? Because Dak has self-awareness. CeeDee Lamb has self-awareness. Other players the Cowboys have self-awareness. Micah Parsons has not an ounce of it. Jeez. I mean, what... Bro, what are you talking about? Oh, Lord. One day of the year, one day of my lifetime, I'm pro-Cleveland. Unbelievable. Patrick Brown, let's see if Patrick can help me out here. I'll sum this up mildly. Dallas's Super Bowl is Thanksgiving Day. Big halftime show and blowout over Washington is the standard. Until a loud voice and leader emerges, this is typical Cowboys offseason. I disagree with you there, Patrick. Until a loud voice, no, Dallas needs to pipe it down a little bit. And my criticism in that regard has historically been of Jerry Jones as is almost everybody's. Doesn't matter the quarterback, doesn't matter the coach, doesn't matter the team, doesn't matter. It's, you got one constant there for the last 29 years, and he's run the franchise into the ground from a production standpoint. Um, if if this is, obviously we know Dak's the leader, but if this is the guy who Cowboys fans are those who believe the Cowboys will do anything, I mean, like I did this year, I said Dallas would get to the Super Bowl before the season. I was dead wrong, obviously, on that. If this is the if this is the guy you're looking for to take the franchise to the next level, I'm sorry to hear that. You placed your faith in the wrong guy. I, I swear, listen, you think I'm mad now? If Micah Parsons forget wins the award. If Micah Parsons places higher in the defensive player of the year voting than TJ Watt. I think my head might actually explode alive on this show. Uh, oof. Wow. Uh, wow. 
Patrick, CD was mature about the question on Dak, mature and honest without throwing jabs. I, I didn't see what CD said. Did CD was, was CD doing like a like a media appearance during like Super Bowl week or something? I, I didn't. Uh, yeah, because see, I know CD was at the Pro Bowl. I mean, did, I, sorry, I, I didn't. Again, I didn't watch it. Um, only Pro Bowl content I saw because the Manning brothers, Eli coached the NFC, Peyton coached the AFC. Only content I saw in that regard was was this morning or this afternoon where Eli was doing the. Uh, was doing I don't know what it was like the 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 diss the rap diss of Tom Brady one bad one bad I congratulate Eli in that regard you know there you go uh yeah see Goodell has a comment here or, uh, sorry has a uh, comment that'd be nice if Roger Goodell comments it. how about that uh Roger Goodell said this about Bill Belichick he said quote I think he'll he'll be missed but I have a feeling he'll still be around the game end quote which that can mean a lot of things uh Belichick may go into Brock well he may have to go into broadcast this year because obviously nobody employed him as a head coach, but let's see what we have. Uh, Patrick, someone asked him during the Pro Bowl on his relationship uh, with Dak. Okay. And, and, and CD doesn't seem like the type of guy to me that would, even if there was, and we saw in that postseason game, then I'll move on to the last topic with, with Steph. Even though during that playoff game, it was weird. I mean, Burkhart and Olsen on Fox were pointing it out, like, from the jump, like, how Dak and CD Lamb, not only were they not on the same page, but they were, like, kind of, like, I don't want to say bickering, but just kind of going back and forth with each other. Like, in a, let's just call it a heated conversation. It's like, what is up with these guys? Like, these dudes have been just in sync all season. I called it all season long, like the most automatic quarterback receiver connection in football. And then all of a sudden, this playoff game, they are just not on the same page. And both seem to be frustrated with the other, but it was, it was odd. It was very, very odd. But that said, even if there is any animosity, yeah, CD is a mature, uh, mature, du- mature dude. So is Dak. They're not going to take shots at each other. They're not going to do that <laughs> because they they understand, again, they like self-awareness. It's the most underrated quality trait a human being can have is understanding who they are, where they're at, and where they need to go. Mike Parsons obviously has none of that. It's, oh, wow. The, the, the <laughs> as Stephen A. Smith would say, the, what does he say? The, the temerity, the unmitigated goal. I didn't do a very good Stephen A. impression there, but you get the idea. All right. Last topic, though. Steph Curry. Don't know if you heard of him. I've heard he's good at basketball. Little birdie told me that. Uh, Steph Curry of my Golden State Warriors on Saturday night in the ATL. Second night of a back-to-back in Atlanta with half the roster hurt. Uh, he dropped 60. Steph Curry, 60 points on 22 of 38 shooting, 10 for 23. 23 three-point attempts is wild. He's like the only player in the league that could get away with that. Maybe Dame as well. But 22 of 38, 10 for 30, 10 for 23 uh, from three-point range, 60 points on the night. By the way, Steph Curry, this is a wild stat, is now joins Kobe as the only players in the history of the league, age 35 or older, to score 60 in a game. Obviously, who could forget Kobe's 60-point game? It was his last game ever against the Jazz. Uh, when he dropped 60, went crazy in the fourth quarter and won that game for the Lakers in his farewell at the what used to be called Staples Center. Steph now joins that club. Uh, and it's, again, just sort of like another knock in the box that Steph is the sixth greatest player ever. We can discuss that and debate that another day. However, the Warriors lost that game 141 to 134 in overtime. And I actually tweeted, I live tweet a lot of Warriors games. I watch every single one, live tweet most of them. And I was watching this, and when the game was over, because for context, Steph hit a shot. He, he got to his 52nd point 
on a little runner, a little floater shot in the fourth quarter, about 15-odd seconds left in the game to put the Warriors up to. Atlanta called timeout. DeJounte Murray makes a shot. Steph barely misses a game winner, a little floater off the glass. Game goes to overtime. Atlanta has the momentum. They end up winning the game. And, But I, I tweeted after the game, I'm like, the Warriors have lost so many rip-your-heart-out-of-your-chest type of games. I think the Warriors' local broadcast, Bob Fitzgerald, Clint Azubuki, shout-out to those guys. They do a fantastic job covering the games, calling the games. I think Bob Fitzgerald mentioned a, a stat where the Warriors are like 2-9 and nine in games decided by three points or less. So they are inches. Like, this is a situation. The Warriors are 21-25, four games that are 500. It is a situation where they're just getting housed. They're not. They've been in more clutch games, which clutch games, for those of you who don't know, are games in which the score is within five points or less with five minutes to go at any point. That's called a clutch game. Warriors have been in more clutch games than anybody. So they're close. They just can't finish games. And you say, Bryson, why can't they finish games? So exactly why. Because as great as Steph is, as much of a catalyst as Draymond still is, as many, even with the injuries, solid offensive options as the Warriors have, be it Jonathan Kaminga, who had a streak broken where he almost had a double-digit game streak of scoring 20 points or more. Jonathan Kaminga has really come into his own. And, hey, my preseason prediction of him winning most improved player might be back on, might be a good bet in Vegas right now. But Jonathan Kaminga is a viable option. Got guys on the, you know, come off the bench. Dario Saric is a viable offensive option. Chris Paul went healthy. Viable offensive option. Moses Moody as well. I like Moses Moody. Always have. Warriors are 11th in the league in offense. They're not bad. They're just, on, they're just uh, 0.3 points away. I saw the stat earlier. 0.3 points off from the Atlanta Hawks for being a top 10 offense in terms of offensive rating. So they can, they can put the ball in the hoop. That's not their issue. I mean, you look at the Warriors, some of their, their losses this year, and they play the Brooklyn Nets for the record in a half hour. Warriors, like in some of their losses, uh, they they lost scoring 134 against Atlanta. They scored 144 in double overtime, lost to the Lakers. Well, scored 133 in regulation, lost to the Sacramento Kings. They've scored 118 and lost. They've scored uh, 118 uh, again and lost. Uh, they've scored 127 and lost to Denver. Like, that has been the issue for Golden State. It's not scoring points. It's getting stops. Folks, Golden State is bottom five. Bottom five in the NFL. Uh, sorry, NBA in terms of defense. Bottom five. Can't stop anybody. I mean, right there, like the, the, the Hawks game is a prime example. Your best player is going crazy. It's got to a point where the crowd in Atlanta is almost rooting for Steph, a little bit Madison Square Garden style. And he hits a runner, puts you up two, and he can't get a stop at the end. DeJounte Murray hits, albeit a tough, you know, pull-up jump shot. But... You couldn't get a stop when you needed to. Couldn't get a stop when you blew an 18-point lead with six minutes to go against the Denver Nuggets. Couldn't get a stop against the Lakers multiple times. Remember, Steph hits the, the go-ahead. Again, Steph's doing everything he can offensively. Hits the go-ahead bomb three to put you up a, a single point. Scores 46, double overtime. Everybody's gassed, and he can't get a stop because LeBron drives to the rim, gets fouled, and hits both free throws to win it. So the reason I say that, as wild as this sounds, this Warriors team, I talk about the Lakers sort of flipping a switch, but a lot of that was because last year and, and flipping a switch this year. I think they're going to flip a switch this year because LeBron is going to flip a switch because he knows the games will take on a greater significance as time goes on. March, especially once April rolls around. Around the time the All-Star break ends. I've said before, this Warriors team reminds me a lot of last year's Lakers team where your best player is playing incredible, especially for his age, 
The other guys are good. You can score the basketball. You just can't get stops. And you're hanging around outside of the play-in tournament going into February. Like the Lakers last year? And listen, I'm still holding out hope for a potential LeBron trade, but that's probably not realistic if we're being honest. I think the Warriors, like the Lakers, just need a couple moves here and there. You know, the Lakers went out and got Rui Hachimura. They got Jared Vanderbilt. They got D'Angelo Russell. They got off the Russell Westbrook contract. Like the Warriors, similar to, the Warriors are in a similar spot with Andrew Wiggins, where his contract is, yikes, you can move off that. I would not be an advocate of moving off of Chris Paul, but that would free up some space for you. I mean, I'd move off Wiggins. I listen, Wiggins. I've been a defender of Wiggins for a while. He's just not the same player he used to be. I'd move off Wiggins before Chris Paul because I think Chris Paul's leadership is invaluable, and he's been one of the most consistent players in the team when healthy. It's almost identical to the Lakers last year, where what I think they need is a couple of nice, like like long wings who can shoot the three, who can knock down the three, but more important than that can defend. There's two Warriors I I trust on the team to consistently get stops in their one-on-one matchups. Draymond Green and Jonathan Kaminga. Everybody else I don't trust. Steph, Clay, Looney, Chris Paul. Chris Paul can still play to be defense, not close to what he used to. Sarge can't guard me. Uh, I mean, it's, it's just you can't get stops. Kaminga can, Draymond can, that's it. That is what wins in today's NBA. Yes, you got to have the superstar. In this case, it's obviously Steph. You got to have some nice role players, uh, some nice complimentary pieces. Kaminga, Draymond. I would like us to move off of Clay. Doesn't look like they're going to do that. So you just got to roll with that. Bring some young, athletic wings who can shoot. That's exactly what the Lakers did last year. And they got four wins away from an NBA Finals. I mean, you're telling me if the Warriors get in the postseason, you're telling me. Minnesota is looking forward to playing Steph Curry. You think the Timberwolves would much rather play the inexperienced Pelicans or the, you know, maybe Sacramento. Sacramento scared scared the living crap out of me in that series, but you think they wouldn't much rather play Houston? I Listen, like this kid a lot, the kid I'm about to mention, I think he's going to be a, a star, potential superstar in the NBA, but I, I think they'd rather play like a Minnesota Timberwolves and Oklahoma City Thunder, I think they'd much rather play an Alfred Shingoon for Houston than a Steph Curry in Golden State. The Warriors are not crazy, massive changes away from contention. As I mentioned, they're 2-9 and nine in games decided by three points or less. Flip a few of those. They're right in the thick of the playing tournament with momentum going into the second half of the season. But you got to be able to get stops. You've got to. that that We talk often about the shooting and the motion offense and Steph doing what he does and Clay and the Splash Brothers and KD join. It's unstoppable. Oh, my God. Every single year the Warriors have won a championship, they've been top 10 in defense. Right now, they're bottom 10 in defense. Now, I don't think adding a few players is going to bump them up into the top 10. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, probably doesn't. But they're not sweeping changes away. Listen, I still think Denver's the team to beat, and it's going to be really hard for anybody to get through the Nuggets. Everybody else, it's fair game. Everybody else think the Warriors can beat in a seven-game series. Don't trust Minnesota whatsoever. Don't trust them at all. Don't trust Chris Finch. Love Anthony Edwards. Rudy Gobert is horrible in the playoffs. Cat has had some clunkers in the postseason. Don't trust Minnesota at all. Don't believe in them in the slightest. OKC, I really, 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 really like. I just think they're too young. I do. Sacramento, Golden State literally just beat Sacramento a year ago. 
Phoenix, Phoenix started to scare me a little bit, but still at the same time, I don't trust them defensively. And D Book, as great as he's been at the point guard position, don't know if he can do that in the postseason. He's got to show it to me. I think the Warriors can be anybody in a seven game series. Denver scares me. I think Denver is. I'm not going to say they're the odds on favorite to win the West, but I will be. Let's just put this. I won't be terribly shocked if in four months we're talking about the Denver Nuggets taking on blank out of the Eastern Conference in the NBA Finals. Add a couple of athletic wings. Ensure you can be able to, you can never stop great players, but make it tough. Ensure you'll be able to, 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 to lock up guys, or not lock up, to, to, to be able to take guys like LeBron, like Anthony Edwards, like Shea Gilgis-Alexander, like De'Aaron Fox. I'm saying like Kevin Durant. These are some great perimeter scorers in the Western Conference, especially compared to the East. But, and that was the difference for the Warriors in 2022. Because Clay, Clay, who used to be their uh, their primary perimeter defender, after Clay had the injuries, wasn't the same guy in that end. Who stepped up for them? Andrew Wiggins. He guarded John Morant in the second round. Then he guarded uh, and did a phenomenal job. Guarded Luka in the Western Conference Finals. Guarded Tatum. Did a great job on Tatum in the NBA Finals. I mean, Andrew Wiggins was the second best player on the Warriors in that title run in 2022. One Draymond, one Clay. What? It was Wiggins. I'm not saying, by the way, Wiggins, ironically, two years later, is like the most likely player, according to all the reports. Shams being uh, the front of that pack, Wiggins is the most likely player to be dealt. There's discussions with Dallas, with Indiana. I think the Warriors need size. More than that, length, athleticism, and hopefully they can shoot too. Offense isn't the problem in Golden State. Defense is. Fix that. Warriors are back to being contenders in the Western Conference. Bar none, no questions asked. That's right, I'm at my team. I am still... Listen, the Lakers were the 13 seed at this point last year and were one of the four, last four teams standing, okay? The Heat were the eight seed, came three wins away from a title with not close to the roster of Boston or of Milwaukee. Heck, maybe even of the Knicks. Knicks had a really good roster last year, even better this season. Not that far off. Just need some little tweaks just like last year's Lakers did and the Warriors can, can get over the top. And who knows? Maybe they do take Denver. Maybe. Wouldn't be terribly confident about it. Anybody else? Be very confident. All right, because you don't want to see Steph Curry in a seven-game series. You just don't. One of those guys you don't want to see with the money. <clears throat> Chips on the table, money on the line. All right, that is all the time here for today's show. I appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, right here on Twitter, as well as the Carving It Up YouTube channel and the Grid Network YouTube channel. Of course, be sure to like, share, comment. Take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button down there if you're on YouTube. Helps the channel grow exponentially. We're trying to get the late season push here, trying to get to 1,000 subscribers by Super Bowl 58. That was our preseason goal. And then get one last late push. We could potentially get to that. So if you have subscribed, thank you so much. Your support means everything to me and to everybody associated with this show. Uh, tell your, Please tell your friends about it, your family about it, everybody you know about Carving Up Live. Let's continue to grow this show, grow this product, and, and be the best that, that, that we can be and, and grow this, this Carving Up Live family. If you have not subscribed again, if you're on YouTube, just take a couple seconds. Big red subscribe button down there. Hit it and you're part of the Carving Up family. Just as important, be sure to go subscribe to The Grid Network. That is G-R-Y-D, The Grid Podcast Network, right here on YouTube, as well as any and everywhere you get your favorite podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, any and everywhere. 
that you get your favorite podcast. Fun show today. Start a Super Bowl week. Super Bowl Monday night or Super Bowl opening night, whatever they call it. Maybe have some, and I, I know the, as one very smart human being once said, as, you know, it'll probably piss off some <laughs> some dads, brads, and chads. Never thought to say that line in my show. But maybe a Taylor Swift topic. Back-to-back weeks on Wednesday. You never know. You never know. It's been a great year for Taylor. Shout out to her. Shout out to her. All right. I'll see you on Wednesday. Please stay safe out there. Please be sure to take care of your physical as well as your mental health. And please, 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 I beg of you, contact your local state representatives and senators to demand change for gun violence in America. We have got to address this problem ASAP as soon as we can because it is rampant in this country. We've got to address it. Appreciate everybody stopping by. See you on Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time, Twitter and on YouTube. A lot more Super Bowl talk, NBA talk, trading deadlines on Thursday. So there's going to be a lot, lot to discuss throughout the week as it passes on. More guests throughout the week to give Super Bowl analysis and predictions. See you on Wednesday. Stay safe out there. God bless y'all. Peace out. Just a few pieces away. Just we're close, man. I'm telling you. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. And be sure to go click that big red subscribe button and check out the other clips and full shows from Carving It Up Live as well as our other incredible content creators here on the Grid Network.